Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Hi everyone, I'm Aaron Noon and welcome to the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Doric, suppliers of window and door hardware to homes and apartments across Australia, New Zealand and Asia. Now there's not too many bigger names than our guest this week on the show. He's a D2 indoor cricket champion, he's a car wash entrepreneur and he just happens to be a seven-time Supercars champion. That's right, it's Jamie Winkup. A few highlights from our chat ahead. He tells us how Larry Perkins once gave him a reference for a drive and how he'd probably have actually been better off without it. He talks about his first drive of a V8 supercar in an EL Ford Falcon at Malala of all places and he talks about Kate, the car in which he won two championships and the 2012 Bathurst 1000 in. He now owns it and what his plans are for it in the future. Another big thank you too to all our V8 Sleuth followers for your couch racer questions and stay tuned to the V8 Sleuth Top 10 Shootout with Jamie. It's probably our best one yet. So, here we go. Buckle up, it's time to start. Jamie Winkup on the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Dory. Jamie, thanks for having us. We are sitting in the offices on the Gold Coast of Winkup Motorsport. There's some yep. cool stuff on the walls here. There's posters, I think, from every season of your supercar career. Yeah, there's some correct. helmets. There's some. There's a Gold Coast surfboard. There's a buckled wheel rim that's now become a clock. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having us. This is cool. No, no, thanks for having me, for sure. Uh, but as you say, yes, in a little 50-square-metre St. True Cove office. Been here for about six and a half years now. Um the story of this, I won't go too far into it. The story of this is I, I was under, I had, had managers, had, had, um, race managers for, for a couple of years and decided to go, go to my own and, and manage myself. Um, employed, employed Sam, who's full time, was full time PA at the time. Uh, we now expanded to two people. Um, and we run car washes and cafes and we still got the motorsport business and do some other property development here and there and everywhere. So, um, it's sort of all started to expand out and it's only, uh, it's only on the upward, upward rise from here on. And how often are you, you here at Wink Up Motorsport versus Triple Eight or out and about? It, it all, de- it, it depends, but, um, I, t- I like to keep get variety and keep scattering around all the time. So, on average, it's because uh, because we travel so much. Mm. We travel it takes up most of the time. Um, but apart from that, here for a couple of days and probably a day or so a week at um, at T eight. Going to rewind a bit. We like to do the deep dive. We like to go the extra layer or three yep. with V eight Sleuth, as you well know. We've yep. followed a bit of history over the years. We want to take you back to your first ever V eight supercar test. Which a lot of Dick Johnson fans will be claiming you because Mm. it was in one of Dick Johnson Racing's old Falcons out at Malala. That's right. What what do you remember of how that all happened? Gee, a guy by the name of of Terry Little, who's who's passed uh, passed away now, Um, he was a family friend of my my uncle and my father. And... So you're in Formula Ford at the time. Formula, yeah. Yeah. So... To go back another layer, for me, racing, like when I started karting or when I was racing karting, even at the highest level of karting, in my mind, I was never 
going to move on. In my mind, I was just going to race a cart for the rest of my life. <laughs> there was no, I wasn't that young kid. You were kid. wrong. You were badly yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. By the way. I wasn't that young kid going, oh, I want to make it. I want to be a supercar driver. I want to be an F1 driver. I never, never had an ambition past the end of my nose. Of, I, all I wanted to do is get, get in the go kart, go to the track that weekend, and that was it. And, but then, and then, but my father and my uncle were always looking to what was the next step and how do we move? How do we move this kid on to other forms? So they they were family friends with a guy by the name of Terry Little. Um, who, whose car was it? You'd know who? Ross Halliday. Ross Halliday. He's a South right. Australian guy. Three that he was sponsored. Yep. Falcon. E-L. 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 Yep. E-L Falcon. Yeah. Anyway, so we went out to Melilla. So Terry Terry lined up this test. We went out to Melilla. And, and I- is, is this a, a, a test with it thinking that it's going to go somewhere? It's a test just so you can have, have your first go at it. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. They just lined me up this drive. And I don't well, – what's, what's, what's going to happen here? I just want to go back and race go-karts, you know. So we lined up this drive. Or I was actually racing Formula Ford at the time, state Formula Ford. So I jumped in this car and it was no, – oh, oh, you were national. Was I you national? You were Oh one, oh yeah. one national. So this is against Will Davis and Will Power. That's right. Yeah, yeah. former Ford National Series. So I jumped in this car, mate. I was so far behind this thing. It was so much power, unbelievable <laughs> amounts of power, and I was just literally hanging on through the back kink at Melilla, um, just praying that the thing pulled up. And yeah, half scared myself, just blown away by the power. Very weird concept of having a roof over your head. You couldn't just crack the throttle and get some nice some air in. So <laughs> I actually finished that day. It was so weird being inside a car with, without the wind going over you, which I had been doing go-karting in Formula Ford. I wasn't 100% sure that that's, that's what I wanted to do. Like I, I finished the day going, hey, awesome experience, but I'm not sure if I can be inside a car, you know. I, 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 it was a weird feeling and one I wasn't, wasn't sure of and I, I went away thinking, gee, is this, is this really for me? Well, history shows it worked out okay. Yeah. So you, you probably you probably took yourself down just a little bit there, yeah. just a little bit. One of the things that was in that era that um, it followed through carts, Formula Ford, V8s, is you and Mark Winterbottom. I think it's one of the great rivalries that I've followed in my time in the sport. And when it, it, it progresses through the ranks and through the categories, yeah. um, I mean, between you, you've won – Obviously, you've won a pile of championships, but he has added to that list. He's added a Bathurst. You've got some Bathursts, probably 150-odd race wins between you in supercars for two young blokes who were punting around in carts and Formula Ford. Tell me about the nature of your relationship over the years as as competitors. Uh, It first started, I reckon it was 1997. It was the Victorian State Championship, Go-Kart Championships. I was was a Victorian, so I was racing in my home state and then Frosty come come down from New South Wales and um, he was the the best thing from up there and best best thing in the country. Um, And it was my opportunity to to race Frosty. He raced Junior Clubman at the time, which was the higher rank. I was still racing Junior National Light, which is a little J, quite a lot less horsepower, uh, lower category. Um, and he won the, the higher category, but then we had a really good battle, really good battle in the in the lower category. Um, and, yeah, that was my first experience of, of racing Mark. And um, 
And then we sort of split there for a while. I went to former Ford a little bit earlier, um, and Mark was somewhat stuck in carts. He was, he was, he still raced carts for the year or so after I was racing Formula Ford, and was somewhat stuck. But then got through that. I think was it Ford. It was a cart stars. Ford cart stars. Yeah. Ford cart stars, and got through there, and then got an opportunity to to move on and race a supercar. Um, so it was very lucky that he got that up. Lucky he he was. It was grateful that he got the opportunity. Uh, he was grateful. Uh, got the opportunity to move on, and then then of course we could race more in uh, more in supercars. But there, hey, there was a little bit a little bit of karting rivalry, a little bit of former Ford. But then really majority of the racing we've done has been in been in supercars. What's the standout? Has it been a moment between you two on the track? There's been plenty of good battles. Yeah, it's never got to the point where. You've had a scaphe angle. There's, there's never been to that sort of a level. I'm sure there's been bumps and scrapes and rubs. Yeah. But remember, he, he moved you at Sandown in the closing laps of a 500 there up the inside for for yeah. second. Uh, probably didn't go down too well. And there's been a few. Is there? But has it ever got to that point where it's been a bit nasty between you guys? Oh, there's, oh, there's been plenty of incidents. So if two two guys going hard. You know, so close for so many years, there's always going to be something, you know. So, no, no, there's plenty. There's plenty of times where we've come together on the track. Um, we've probably just kept it a little bit more professional on the, you know, outside of the outside of the car, you know. And instead of blowing up and making a big, big circus out of it, we've actually just sort of went, okay, you, you got me there and I'll get you back next time in some way. So, no, there's been – there's contacting carts a couple of times, a couple of decent ones. Um there was another one at Clipsal, Clipsal 500. I lunged him with a couple laps to go. Uh, 2008, oh, I think Oregon it was from memory. Like the that. Saturday race. That yeah. didn't go down too well either. Lead, lead balloon. Lead balloon, yeah. And then he had a big lunge at me at Sandown, as you say. 2012, um, I think, from memory. 2012. There was a bit of, bit of, bit of sneakiness going on at Bathurst in when he won the year he won 13 13 what, what was sneaky there oh he he broke too early I went down the outside at turn 2 on at that turn, last lap when at you turn been... 2 yeah and he just said oh I'll get off the brake and roll up the inside and uh, once again very but minor would you, stuff would you have done the same thing to him I would have done the same, the same thing yeah. for sure yeah, yeah. For sure that's why I didn't say anything <laughs> yeah. um, a lot hey a lot of things <laughs> go, don't go my way <laughs> yeah. but I would have done the same and the opposite so uh, so roll on but yeah yeah it, it's it's been a it's been a been a great battle, you know. I, I he's he's trying to do exactly the same thing as I'm trying to do, and that's try to win as many races as possible. Your first crack at V8s properly is enduros, and we've covered a lot of this ground over the years in various ways and yeah. forms. But we'll, we'll dive in a little bit differently. So you get your first run at the enduros with Max Dumsney. Yep. yep. Then it's Mark Noski for Bathurst. How'd your first Bathurst go? Uh, no, not, not so good. I think you parked it, Once didn't you? again, though, once again, I'm racing Formula Ford, thinking that I'm going to race Formula Ford for the rest of my life. So when do you get the phone call to say, enduro seat, my, you're on? My father and my uncle were talking to Gary Rogers and got me a got me a start with with Gary Rogers Motorsports. So first a test, and then uh, he, he signed me up to do the endurance races. Once again, so, so out of my depth. The cars were so fast. Um, I was couple of seconds behind and it's at Queensland 500 it was okay it's a fairly simple track it's a paper clip so you sort of just you literally just flat out down the straight stop the thing get around the corner and then flat out down the next straight so you could get around Queensland Raceway okay but go to Bathurst you're literally hanging on to the thing the whole time so um 
and what I didn't, I, I, I didn't have any fitness. Not that I've got any fitness now, oh, but a bit more than then, be, maybe. Being being so hot inside the car and not having um, um, that good of fitness, I was. I remember at about lap twenty or twenty five or something, completely knackered, um, hanging out of this car, and then just locked the brakes. So I might have dropped a wheel off on the outside, but locked the brakes and just fired into the fired into the fence pretty hard at the top of turn two, and that was the end of my first Bathurst experience. Young bloke, young, not, yeah, not young so bloke. cold tires, you know what <laughs> no. the rest. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been well covered and well documented. The time with GRM in for a year, two thousand three, out the door at the end of the year. Do you remember yeah. where you were when you got the the call or the the, the meeting or the how that all ended? Uh, once again, I, I wasn't massively involved in the in the meeting of getting signed up for two thousand thirteen. It was it was um, it was my father that did the deal with Gary. To um to put me in the car full time, so. and that was would that have been a multi year deal? Uh no, sing, uh, single year. I think, I, you actually, well, I think it was a multi year deal. And, yeah. and then when it all comes, how did it all come to an end? Do you get you get a call? Do you get called in the office? Because because it's a pivotal moment in telling the overall wink up career story where the it looks like the sky's falling in because you lose your chance that you got in the door. But yeah. uh, do you remember the, the circumstances and the phone call, the meeting? Or I do remember it. I do remember it. I hadn't been um, I hadn't been given the ask before of really anything. Uh, so got towards the end of the year. I remember Gary's. Uh, Gary's financial guy. He was a bit of a. He was a. He was a bit of a bookkeeper, but he was a financial guy. He he gave me the heads up. Good, good old guy by the name of Errol. Errol, um, yeah. Mate, yeah, yeah. He he. Good good guy. He goes, mate, just to let. I I'm not allowed to say this. You know what I mean? But but. I like you, and I just want to let you know that it's you know you, you may you may need to look for a, an, another position at the end of the year, and I really appreciated that. Still wasn't sure that it was actually going to happen or not, um, and then Gary called me into the office and said, "Mate, uh, we've got to part ways and, and move on." The thing was uh, that was I'd uh, I'd finished up at my father's printing press. I was still trying to earn a living, so not only did I lose my supercar career, so to speak, but I actually lost my form of income. And I was still running around in the VH Commodore at that stage. Still needed fuel in the car. Baby, baby blue. The baby blue VH Commodore. I still needed to fill the thing up with fuel. I'd no, I'd no money coming in. I was, I was knackered. So um, I asked him. It was re- very weird. He was, he was, and I can see his position now. That now I am an, em- an employer. Um, he was hoping I'd just pack up and go. I said, but mate, can I stay for the? Can I stay until at least mid December so I can still have my, you know, because you were working in the workshop. I was working in the workshop i needed my 400 dollars a week to to survive you know so he ended up uh he ended up saying yeah you can continue working but i'd rather i'd rather you moved on so we can move on with the next <laughs> the next driver you know but i anyway i did i did the right thing i um i, I you know st- stayed out of trouble and kept kept myself and um it was still 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 learnt you know, four hundred bucks a week um to, up until christmas so i could go away and have uh, have have a few weeks off over summer I remember that I was, uh, you ended up in an endurance gig at Larry Perkins' team the next year in 04 to t- kind of get you back in the door and keep you rolling. But was there a chance for you to drive for – I've got a vague recollection that the Holden Young Lions had become a John Faulkner program in the development series at the time, and that was a potential – clearly there's probably a budget required, but yeah. what was the scenario there? Uh, I don't know much about that. No, no, I, no, that wasn't a real possibility. No, I think my name was linked there at some stage, but I one think one of the good old stories of yeah, the press of the exactly, time. Exactly, but there was no real there was no real real substance behind that. So 
no, it was it was really it was really me going out and trying to find an opportunity from there. And and hey, once again, all the opportunities that have happened before before the end of 03 um, were instigated by my father and my uncle. You know, they 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 sort of signed me up for that drive. But now it was on me. Now mm. now it was my opportunity to either try to make it happen or or just you know just go away into the wilderness. You didn't do the wilderness. It was okay. No, no. Everyone, and I probably had a closer proximity in the Tasman motorsport era than, than most people, as you might remember, um, everyone will point to Sandown and Bathurst as being the key pillar events because they yeah. were podium results, they were great achievements. Yeah. But the one that sticks in my mind is China that China. a lot of people will have forgotten about. Yeah. That's when you that you were fourth overall, you nearly got to the podium. Yeah. That's when you probably announced to people, Right, this wink up bike. He, he I, goes right. Do you remember much of that weekend? I do. I remember very clearly. So, so yeah, as you say, I, I somehow got back in. You know, did the enduros with Larry, and then got a got a massive opportunity um, through Kevin Murphy, Greg, Greg Murphy's father. Um, that and that wasn't smooth sailing either, because they, <laughs> I, I was so I, we did a test and, and Fabian Coulthard was there. Um, and this is two thousand four. It's two thousand four. With a view for an enduro drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and Fabian made a Kiwi. He was a he was a walk up start, you know. <laughs> um, and I did a really good job on the test, but they still all the directors from Tasman just wanted to run. run Who Fabian. were majoritively Kiwi. They were Kiwis. Uh, exactly. And you can blame Tim Miles for part of that. Tim, one yeah, of your yeah, co-owners yeah, at Triple Eight yeah, now is yeah, a co-owner. 100%. No, no, no. I'm a, I don't remember it. I don't forget any of that. Um, but no, no, exactly. So all those guys were, were pushing hard for Fabian. But Kev, actually, he was he was a fan of, of mine and, and wanted me in the seat. Um, so he, he decided to ring Larry up because I drove, did the Enduros in 04, ring Larry up and said, um, you know, because I did the Enduros with Larry in 04. Yeah, and it wasn't mm. 05 was when, when I got the seat with Tasman. So he rang Larry up and said, I just want to basically get a reference. Well, mm. Larry, Larry said, hey, there might be an opportunity here to race full time during the endurance season. So I did, did the best I can. And then afterwards he said, listen, there's no, there's no seats available. We've got too many drivers, not enough cars, um, but I'll give you a reference. So cool. Thanks, thanks, Larry. So spoke to Kev, and I'm pushing hard on Kev to say, mate, please give me another opportunity. You know, I can I can drive this car fast. I've got a reference. Give Larry Perkins a call. So Kev rings Larry Perkins. Larry says, mate, I wouldn't employ that bloke if, if it was the last bloke on earth. Like he stuffed the car. He just couldn't brake properly. He no idea. That's a good reference. Yeah, that's yeah. I used my reference. I'd hate to know what a bad one and was. Bit, <laughs> <laughs> and it backfired big time. So, um, so Kev's like, shit. What am I going to do now? So, at the same year, um, Jim Richards was driving in the in the in the series in the car with it was, he with, Perkins, up with Steve. With, with Steve, teamed yeah. up with Steve. So he was like a teammate. So Kev's like, shit. I better ring. Uh, I better ring Jim to see what he thinks. And Jim said, no. Listen, I've 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 I had a look at all his data and everything, and from what I could see, he uh, he did a good job. So Kev on Jimmy's um, advice gave me gave me a, gave me a ride for 05. Anyway, so we're in we're into 2005, um, and the car was good. They absolutely did everything they possibly could to give me as good a car as, as Jason Richards at the time, and as competitive car as possible. I uh, had Rob Palmiro engineer the car. He he did absolutely the best job he could. And uh, we went to China, massive international event on the big stage. Car was fantastic. Uh, out out the gate, 
whether we fluked it or not, it's another thing. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter no, it doesn't matter. The car was fast. We didn't didn't venture too far from from our starting setup and uh, ran fourth. I was I was close to lunging. I think it was the rat. I think it was Paul mm. Radisich on the last lap. Was, in the I, Team Kiwi car. In the Team Kiwi car. I was about to lunge him down the end of the back straight, but decided to, hey, fourth. I'd love a podium, but fourth is probably not a bad result here. Don't throw it all away. Um, and be that idiot that crashed on the last lap. So, yeah, ran fourth. Very, very happy. And then uh, jumped into Jason's car, which was very, very good. And uh, we had a couple of podiums on, in the Enduros. I remember in that year too, um, talking to you at some stage is my recollection right that after that i reckon it might have been around that china time where things were going well that there was a deal that the team put to you to go hey mate sign this stay all good extend which for a young bloke having just got back in the door that job security i guess would have been a pretty good thing if that was the scenario do you recall that being a a scenario at the time or was there was there interest raised from other places not just obviously from up in Queensland where you ended up? No, so the, the truth of all that was was there was there was talk of a deal. Um, there was a talk of a deal for me to I, – I instigated the talk at Tasman for, to do a deal for the following year, but they were so keen to get Murph in the car. Once once again, they wanted Murph in a Tasman motorsport car. Which was always going to happen. And it was just a case of when. It's just a case of when, exactly. So they were pushing pretty hard to do, to, to do that sooner rather than later. So I was pushing them at the end. I'm like, guys, I really want to re-sign with Tasman, you know, for, for the following year, pushing hard, hard, hard. They still they and they they were they were honest. They were sort of br- brutally honest, or, or in some way a little bit disrespectful. They said, "Well, no, we're going to wait to see what Greg does, and if and you can if just he, wait. if he doesn't, if for some reason he doesn't do it, then you've got the seat. But until then, you just have to wait. Like this, that's it. So I was a little bit offended with that, as you, as you as you could imagine. So. Um, Went out and just let everyone else, let everyone know that um, that I was available, and tried to try to come up with another option. Got another option. Got another option. Got another option. I was the right place, right time. Um, Roland was looking around for a, a young bloke that was cheap that stayed out of trouble and and um, team up with Lounsey to win Bathurst, and with the results I got at the endurance races. Um, yeah, yeah, he was he was keen to keen to do a deal. So pretty much, for an opportunity to come up with. And at this stage, Lounsey had won. This is 05. Lounsey had won Eastern Creek. Yep. He'd won got Gold Coast Queensland the, Raceway, I think as well. Queensland, yeah. So these, down and then and Steve Allery was doing really good things in that car as well. So this was a team that was about to dominate. In my mind, and everyone everyone in pit lane, all the other drivers could see it. This team was about to take over and dominate. You know, so to get an opportunity with a team that's on the on the rise and coming coming strong, um, there was no there was no decision. Now, as it turned out, as soon as Tasman got win that there was another opportunity there, all, all of a sudden it was, hey, here's an here's a here's a contract, but I would already uh, the horse had already bolted. Um, yeah, it, it, and absolutely it wasn't about money, it wasn't about anything. I I just I needed to get myself into a competitive car, and um, in my mind, there was no more competitive car than the AAA car at the time. So, we flew up, flew up to Brisbane, and uh, just said, "Whatever it takes, I'm keen to keen to do the job." Your AAA era, there's so many things we could talk about. We're limited on time. Yeah, it's time for another day. I'm sure yeah. we can get through a lot of that stuff. Uh, one of the things we wanted to focus on is your car, on Kate. 
your special oh, yeah. team yep. Vodafone Commodore that yep. all our V8 Sleuth fans who follow the cars very closely and that's something we've worked really hard yep. on, keeping and documenting the histories of these cars over time. Yep. First of all, why is it called Kate is the most popular question we get asked. <laughs> is it named after anyone famous or significant? Uh, mate, or- all, I name all my cars and everyone asks me, including my mother, Why do you? where, where do you get all your names from? And it's no one knows. It's a secret. I, I keep it to myself. <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to. I've got like six names here of your various cars over the years. Yeah, it makes no sense, does it? There's Kate, there's Georgia, there's Elizabeth, there's Jen, there's Alana, there's Brie, yeah, and there's yeah, yeah. Lindsay. So yeah, guys yeah, plenty, of people, guys, right? plenty of people try to find out trends and work out how it all works. I've got but nothing. It's a, complicated, it's a complicated scenario it is. So, um, yeah, good all luck. Right. Good all luck right. with that. It's probably going to need some beers another yeah, day yeah, when exactly. the microphones are yeah, yeah. on. One day, one but, day. But tell me about – there's not many guys who own their old race cars, but you had a special connection to this car because it's your – 2012 Bathurst winner, it helped you win the 11 and 12 championships. Uh, you won at the Adelaide 500 in it, but you won 28 championship races, yeah. which is a record yeah. of any car in the history of the Australian Touring Car Championship. It's a stunning statistic, but what at the core of it is the thing that made you buy that car? It did Roland do you a good deal? That's the other thing we need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my, my father, for those who didn't know him, he's just a Good old hard bastard that not not crazy hard, but he's a straight shooter and he's just is old school. You know, he's got a lot of old school morals, which um, which I really respect. You know, and I, I tried to grab tried to grab as many of those as I could. Um, and I've been able to spend some time with some some good old bastards over the years. Like Jimmy <laughs> Richards is one. Bob Bob Jane is another. Um, and the one thing I took out of talking to all those people, and the, the limited time I've spent with them. A few of them, four or five of them have said, whatever you do, try to keep one of your old cars. And when you're a young bloke, it, that means nothing. You know what I mean? You're like, but they kept, I, I heard of the four, four people and I'm like, there's something in this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know this, I, I've got to do this. So the opportunity come up at the end of 2012 where my, the car I was racing at the time, it was, that was the end of that era and we we're about to go to Car of the Future. Um, so there were, there were cars available and I said to RD halfway through the year, I, I really want this car. And he said, yep, here's the price, which was what anyone would pay for it, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that was yeah. – Heavily inflated, of course, because it's a it was one, it was the best car on the grid uh, and, it, you know, it would have been absolutely perfect for DBS for anyone. So there were, there were plenty of people lined up for the car and then at the end, a couple of rounds to go after the one Bathurst – did the uh, price go up after that? It should have. It should have. It should have doubled after Bathurst. You know what I mean? So, so to win Bathurst, the end of the Vodafone era, end of that era, fiftieth anniversary. Uh, you know, it was a, car one. Um, the the car had also won more cham- more championship rounds than any other vehicle in the sport. The, the price should have been doubled, but he come to me with literally with a price that's what what the steel would have been worth, you know. So he did me an unbelievable deal. Couldn't couldn't believe it. It was it was basically the biggest biggest Christmas present I've ever had. Um, and said you can you can take the car. It's you deserve it. It's your car. Um, happy days. So I had to wait. The engine that crossed the line of Bathurst, it was it was pretty new at that stage and that was it's still a current engine. It was still a current engine. So I had to wait 12 to 18 months to get that particular engine. Because those engines all lived on into Car of the Future. They weren't, for those yes. who might be wondering, they weren't different engines. They were the same, same engines. Same engine. So, yeah. so it waited for that to become towards the end of its life, so to speak. 
got got the engine, put it in the car, and and then uh, a guy by the name of Gary Bailey, who was a mechanic of mine for years, um, he grabbed the car, he took got got the car, took it to his um, workshop in Toowoomba, I mm-hmm. believe at the time, yep, yep. and he completely did an unbelievable job and completely restored the car from scratch. So we pulled it back. Pulled it back, sandblasted the chassis, repowder coated, all br- as many brand new parts I could possibly find. Now the car is absolutely back to, back to Ridgey Ditch. Found the last set of 17 inch rims, um, around. Kevy from Dunlop got me a set of tires, new brakes, new radiator, um, you name it. She's all back, back to brand new and now sits, uh, now sits a tail and bend. So there's nothing in that car that's not quite right or the, the original bit's gone or it's compromised. It's pretty, it's period correct it's as close as it can be to how it had its last race at sydney olympic it's, park it's ready absolutely ready to race it's how it finished it went back to bathurst so it went back to the 120 liter fuel tank and the, and all everything the elastics are on the belts and everything like that <laughs> so it went back to how the car finished bathurst which was uh which is pretty special but it's brand new it's ready to go and any chance someday sometime that you go and have a run in it Probably not, unlikely, because like all all the underguards, it's it's absolutely brand new. The radiator hasn't had one stone, you know, one one bit of rubber through it or one bit of dirt. Everything the brakes haven't been used. Everything is absolutely brand new. So, um, I think if I had an opportunity to sort of drive it at Goodwood or something like that. I probably would, but um, I certainly. It's got to take something. I certainly. Top-tier. I wouldn't just take it out of the paperclip, you yeah. know, and have, have a bit of a laugh. <laughs> certainly not. So uh, it, it, it will do. It will do some. Every every twelve months, I run it up, run it up to uh, to, to keep it alive. But um, which I, which reminds me, I've got to do that before when we go down to the bend because it's actually a bit of a process and getting it run up and plugging the computer. It, and it's make sitting, sure the having right. recently been at the bend as we're sitting down recording this. Um, yeah. You were there to drive a GT car, and I was there doing some TCR television yeah. commentary. And there it was, sitting in the visitor centre. For those who've not been at the Bend, it's an awesome facility. A- yeah. And you walk into what's effectively the reception of the hotel there, yeah. but it's also the entrance point for the main building at the circuit. So yeah. there's your car there. There's a Brock Commodore there. There's mm-hmm. a Brock Tirana. There's Elfins. There's awesome stuff. It's a great F1 place cars. for it to, to be. So if you're in South Australia, it's worth getting along. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. So when when Sam Shaheen asked me to put the car on display, I said, yeah, absolutely. And so it, it, what it, it'd be in a, a little bubble um, in my in my factory here at Hope Island. But uh, yeah, to have it on display there, I think it's great for, for people to be able to see and appreciate and enjoy. Did you get your truck license just to be able to drive the transporter <laughs> to collect it from Toowoomba? No, I didn't. I just like to have every license available. So uh, I don't know what. I went and got my MC. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Did, uh, multi-combination. So, yeah, B-double. B-double. Actually, we did – there's plenty of opportunities where you can drive the truck. There's plenty of things. We, we do promotional activities. We did a lot for Komatsu, a lot for Cal, uh, Castrol over the years, Caltex as well, um, where you just go go town hopping. And I always wanted to drive the truck from one town to the next because because it was interesting. So uh, I went and got my MC. So um, why you say that, why, why Noons has mentioned that is because uh, – I went and picked it up from Toowoomba. So, so RD lent you the race transport. I rang up RD. It. I said, "Mate, the car's ready. I'm, I want to go pick it up myself." Um, so I went and picked. Went. We got, got the went to went to Triple Eight. Grabbed one. Just stole one of their trucks with a trailer on the back. <laughs> uh, went up to Toowoomba. Grabbed the car. Actually, I was <laughs> I was driving. I, was, I didn't know the. I forgot about the range. 
forgot there was a big range, the Toowoomba <laughs> range. So I'm driving back and then I'm like, shit, I'm going to have to come down the range in this truck. I don't know. I don't know how the, the brakes work. I don't know how the oh. engine brake works. So small, small detail. So yeah, got on the hands free to the, to the, to the, uh, to our truck driver at the time. And he gave me a bit of a crash course on how to work out the, the engine brake so we can get it back down the range. And then another story. A day later, the whole tail lift shat itself back at the workshop. So I was so lucky that I wasn't at Toowoomba with the tailgate down and then stuck there for the night. Oh. So, uh, thankfully, it all uh, it all worked out. I think there's a YouTube video from memory that, yes. that shows that. So if, if people have a bit of a search on YouTube, you might find the video yeah. that you put together of collecting the car. Kate, and Kate's homecoming, home. it's called. Yeah, yeah. Right. it just got it recently just got pulled down. I think I oh. had a Kanye West song oh. over the top. Oh, no. Or uh, that might have been Led Zeppelin, actually. We and might they, need to recut that They one. canned it. So I need to find another, find another, another appropriate track, track and post it back up. Yeah, let us know when you do that. We'll alert the yeah. uh, the V8 yeah. Sleuth faithful to it. <laughs> now, you've got the car that means the most to you, but if yeah. you were to ever get another of your old race cars, yeah. what grabs your fancy? Would you go way back to the Formula Ford days? Yeah. Would you go back to the early V8 days, another Triple Eight car? What, what uh, grabs your fancy? There's no- if we were curating the Wing Cup Museum, yeah. what, we would, yeah. what would we get next? So I'd Love a, I'd love a Red Bull. I'd yep. love a Red Bull um, Which Commodore. I'm not sure. I'm on the spot there. Probably my current or probably last year's yeah. the, the car one, the ZB. The, the ZB was a – That's it's fairly, it's fairly passionate for uh, us at Triple Eight because we, we homologated the aerodynamic package for it. So that, that whole, that's pretty special to us. Um, so it will probably be the, the ZB from last year, but – my 2001 Formula Ford. <laughs> so, Davo, Davo's father brought that car for, for Will. It was a bit of a consortium of people, but they, they got the car in 2001. Will, Will Davo won the Formula Ford Championship in 01. I leased the car for 2002, also won the championship, and Richard and Will won't sell it. Will, so, we talked about this with Will on our podcast earlier yeah, in the year. Yeah. And nah. He, no. he, I don't even think he actually wants it. He just doesn't he just want doesn't me to have, you it. To have exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what I'm going to have to do. Some type of crazy deal uh, to somehow get that car. But I'll wear I'll wear him down. It'll take twenty takes years. time. But take twenty years. But I'll wear it down, and uh, it'll be sitting in my lounge room at some stage when I'm eighty years old. Great things take time. Exactly. So that's I live. I think that motto yep. is important. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, in more recent times you've become a partner in Triple Eight Race Engineering, a place that's been your home as a driver for a long time. Yep. Where did that process begin? Clearly, it's not a decision you make overnight that you decide to do it or that the other partners would like you to be involved, but where's, yeah. the, where's the seed of that whole concept for you to be a, a partner now? Well, as you already know, I don't plan anything. You know, I don't look into the future, but as you get older, you sort of have to start looking a little bit ahead, you know, at least, at least a couple of years. Um, so I was just going to be a racing driver for the rest rest of my life, but but it, it it dawned on me a couple of years ago that hey, actually I may not be I may not be driving a supercar till I'm eighty. You know what I mean? I might have to pull the pin a little bit earlier than that. Seventy three. So what? So I love the sport. I want to be involved in motorsport forever until uh, you know until until my body won't allow me to anymore. Um, 
and where's what's the next step? And I've got a passion for for being a team owner to be able to win races and win championships uh, from the from the other side of the from other 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 side of the car. So um, I, I want to be want to be involved more. Um, I don't know how long I'll be driving for, but as, as soon as I'm not driving, um, I, I want to be a, a competitive team owner and uh, make decisions on trying to trying to make sure that uh, my drivers one day have the best cars best cars on the grid. So um, spoke to Roland. He and he's at a stage where he he's been team principal for a very very long time, and hey, he'll still want to continue to be a team principal for a long time. But he he he's he's excited about a transition to do something else as well. So um, spoke to him. I said I, I want to be a, a shareholder. Um, brought a, a a share in Triple Eight. Um, what, gee, six months, six months, twelve months, almost 12, six months ago now. Um, so I see that as my future. When, once I finish driving a supercars full time, to, uh, to 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 now, not, I don't I don't feel one person is going to be able to replace Roland for a very long time to come. He's uh, he's a very very good operator, but I feel I can add add an element to what he's currently doing, um, and I'd love to be beside him and the other shareholders. Um, PD, PD and Timmy Miles, both unbelievably good operators within themselves, uh, to be able to learn off those three guys in the next couple of years on what, how Triple Eight works, how supercars work. Um, it excites me. I'm, 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 in, I'm keen. I'm interested, um, and I'm looking forward to putting in plenty of effort into that in the next couple of years to to uh, to be in a position to to, uh, to to jump on board when when needed. We're never going to get rid of you out of the pit lane. No, that is the no, short no, answer no. of it all. Whoever want to get rid of me, unfortunately, it's not, it's not looking good. No, no. One of the things we love to uh, at Sleuth, clearly the race cars we love. Yeah. Uh, great sitting here in your office. Uh, I see some really special helmets to you that you've got on display here. One that is the, uh, the 100 wins uh, helmet that you were presented with when you won your 100th championship race. There's some great ones there from the, the Vodafone and the, and the Red Bull era as well. Are you a bit of a hoarder? A lot of the people we talk to on this podcast, they hoard their, their suits, their helmets, their trophies. Their, what's special to you that you've kept clearly apart from? your car yeah i'm not no i'm not a hoarder i'll get rid of everything unless it's got value to me um race suits got a race suit from every year since i started helmet basically the same thing uh got the race car as well and i've got my major trophies as well so all, the trophies are when you think about it, the trophy is a, a prize that the team have won there's a lot of people involved in winning winning the trophy hey the driver gets up and accepts it but it's not their trophy. You it's, didn't build it, the car. I didn't build the car. <laughs> I didn't do the strategy. I didn't work out how much fuel was needed to not run out. Um, I didn't bolt the tyres on. So I get up and accept a, a trophy, um, but it's not mine. If it's a very special win for me, I'll get a replica like any other team member can can mm. uh, can get a replica of that. So I hold on to all the all the major trophies. So um, I'm. I'm Lucky enough to have my championship trophies and Bathurst trophies. Bathurst 12 hour as well. Mm. Um, it's very good. Um, plus I won the D2 indoor cricket championship <laughs> as well back, uh, back a few years ago. That, that, that's pride. Pride place. place. Like, top yeah, of the exactly. piece. Yeah, bit of, bit of glass. Happy days. <laughs> yeah. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. <laughs> One thing that we do on this podcast, mate, is couch racer questions where fans yeah. can write in their questions. And it's no shock that when we said we were going to be spending some time with you, that the, the socials lit up, as they say. Oh, good. Um, 
I'm just going to pick a selection on them because we've got so many we won't get through them all. Uh, Adam asks, do you think he could better your sculling a beer and backflip celebration from Newcastle a few years ago <laughs> if you went on to win eight championships? It's, it's never good enough, is it? Oh, no. could, could I, could could, I better well, could it? You, could you better it? Um, oh, of course you can better it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no limit to anything. Two backflips? Maybe. Maybe we'll give you time um, to think about that. What you can't you can't plan that. That was that backflip wasn't planned at all. That was just spare of the moment thing. And good idea at the time. I was hot. Uh, I saw a boat there, and I thought let's let's do something. And, and we had a bit of time as well. We had five minutes to burn before <laughs> the uh, before the presser. So I'm like, yeah, we're, yeah I'm, let's get wet. I'm getting in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark asks, do you make the coffees at your cafe sometimes? I do. Yes. Yeah. I'm a. A coffee machine. I really, really enjoy getting on the coffee machine and uh, and trying to tune it. It's it's it, re- it reminds me so much of my uh, three jet I'd be a carburetor that I used to use in go karting, <laughs> where you have to tune the high and the low, and it's it's and you tune it perfectly, and it lasts for about three minutes, and then you've got to re- and then you've got to retune it again because the conditions change or or something. So a coffee machine is exactly the same thing. Trying to keep that thing on tune. Uh, Throughout the whole day, and then some clown turns the air conditioning on and it completely stuffs, stuffs it. it completely. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it's tough. So I I love getting on it. Um, I, I like doing the shots are good. Milk milk's another. That's another. That's another thing within <laughs> itself. Forget about the latte art. I'm, I don't bother with that. But um, trying to trying to pour the perfect uh, perfect cup, it's bloody difficult. And I do enjoy getting on the machine. I'm not a coffee drinker. I have no skill, so I'll leave it to you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris yeah. asks, when you were a kid, were you a Ford or a Holden man? Uh, well, my father had Fords growing up, so he always had Falcons uh, station wagon. Yeah, year after year after year. Um, but my first couple of cars were Commodores. So. Probably a bit of both. Bit of both. Bit of both, yeah. Bit of a blend. Uh, Christopher asks, would you have liked to drive your Uncle Graham's Chevy Monza Sport sedan? <laughs> it's quite funny. That car come up, uh, that car become mm. available. Um, it was in the Peter Brock, you know more, you know more about it than I would. No, you tell us. Uh, it's in the Peter, it was in the Peter Brock Museum at Dreamworld for well, a couple of years at least, wasn't it? Uh, and then it came up for grabs. It was it was all dressed up as Brocky's car, but it actually wasn't Brocky's car. It was it was my uncle Graham's, and he built that. He built that car in his backyard, basically. Um, so having it was pretty run down at the at the Brock Museum. It needed quite a bit of work, uh, but a be a raw old beast. Of course, I'd I'd love to drive it. Um, it'll become part of the collection one day, but um, just not quite at the moment. There was a few people offering too much money for it, so it'll it'll, it'll become available. Sure. One day, one, one day. day. Uh, Ryan asks, do you like the current Enduro Cup rules that forbid teammates from sharing a car? You all have to have a co-driver. Ooh, yeah. Or would you like to see us go back to the days where the two regulars paired up so you could drive with Shane Gisbergen? Obviously, you've got a really good co-driver in some yep. bloke called Lowndes, but yep. um, we'd see those return of super combos in all the teams rather than having to get a co-driver for every main driver in the field. Yeah. You, I mean, you've experienced both yeah. formats. So the concept of teaming both main drivers up and just having an all-out assault, that's pretty cool, you know what I mean? And, and you really see a really good combination. The problem was with the back in the day was many of the big teams were sacrificing a car. So we all know stacking in pit lane is a – is a drama, but it's all part of the sport at the same time. So you'd literally sacrifice a car 
there was so much tyres getting tyre saving going on as well. The second car would literally just run around, stay out of trouble, save three or four sets of tyres, then get used, get used by that driver for the for the end of the year. So there, it wasn't when you look at it at, from a sport perspective, having half the cars. Half the cars, you know, mm. you know, what I'm saying at least ten cars that are sort of out of the way, not not part of the, you know, the the the, the last ten laps. I don't think that's a good thing. So, so leave it. So yep, I think I think yep. for the interest of the sport, I think it's better the way it is. Um, question from a bloke called Will. Oh yeah. I think this is a guy you might know. What do you remember of your cartwheeling accident in front of me just as you passed me for the lead <laughs> in 1995 at the Bensdale Street Grand Prix in Rookies? <laughs> I think that might be Will Davidson. So, yeah, me. I've reeled Davo in from hundreds of metres back, just putting in quality laps after quality laps. I actually I could get my helmet down behind the steering wheel a little bit further, so I had a bit better aero. No, so I've reeled, reeled Davo in. He was leading rookies and I've just come I've passed him come on to the got too excited come on to the straight too fast just clipped the the exit ripple strip was a meat well two foot high um, mound of tan bark so I've just clipped the tan bark and I've I've never rolled a go-kart touch wood um, or anything but touch wood uh, but I, it cartwheeled I went in for ended right in front of him and fell out of the seat the whole lot so um, that's that's that story there. It was sheep steak. Don't worry. I was seven years old. I've never. <laughs> been, I've I was as nervous, and it was as big as it ever gets back then as what it is now. They were sitting on the grid, nervous as hell about to, about to, almost about to spew in your helmet, lining up for the the Bansdale Street meeting at at 12 years old that was that was that was life or death if you didn't get if you didn't win that race your career was you're over, over. You know? you're over yeah, you're done you're yeah. retired it was massive forget the Bathurst 1000 yeah. the Bensdale 1000 <laughs> could have been the one that everyone wanted to win uh, Les asks how do you compare modern day supercars era to the old touring car era how do you think you would have gone back in the day with some of those beasts <laughs> that they used to drive there's a lot of passionate people about back you know what was what's the category what was the category like back then what is it like now what was better what was worse you you simply can't compare. You you cannot compare. You cannot make a decision on what was a better era. You know, um, it's subjective, really. It depends what era you grew up in, what era you watch, what it, era you were involved. It in. It does, but yeah. then you can always ask the question: Well, what was harder? You know, what was more challenging? What was what was more? Di- How can you? You know what I mean? Like driving those cars. One, getting getting a car with minimal power steering that you're moving around in the seat in mm. um, over the top of Bathurst, that's bloody difficult, you know. Trying to beat 20 other people by two tenths of a second, that's bloody difficult as well. You know, what's harder? You, who knows? It, it is a different era. Um, but like everything, it's trying to be ahead of, head of the era you're in. You know, if we're, trying to, we're trying to take a car to the track and I'm trying to operate at a level that's a little bit beyond 2019, you know. And anyone that's able to operate at a level that's a little bit, little bit further on than than the era they're currently in, um, they they generally stand out. Speaking of uh, another question here, uh, David asks if you were going to mentor a young driver that's coming through Super Two or maybe just in the main game. Um, I think he's actually trying to see who you're going to pick up when you become a team owner full time, <laughs> rather than continue to drive. But yeah. you've been around now. I don't think you, we can categorise you as a veteran. I don't think that's quite the right term. But you've been there, done it, and you've seen yeah. it. Bought the poster, bought the book. So, yeah. uh, who have you seen that's come in in the last twelve months, eighteen months? Whether it be Super Two or or Supercars, you know, um, a guy like Todd Hazelwood or any of the, the kids in Super Two that you see, anyone that you see a bit of yourself in looking back now. Oh, 
I won't name anyone. I won't, won't name anyone. But what what I will say is that there's there's a bit of a gap between karting and Formula Four, Formula Ford, or Formula Four at the moment. You know, when when I did it, or when when I Frosty, Davo, Lounsey, all them, the average family, hey, it was a big stretch, but they could somehow get a Formula Ford and go to the track, and then get on the big stage in front of the supercar teams, and then get an opportunity. You know what I mean? It was it was doable for the average family. Now at, at the moment, it's not it's not doable. It's two hundred fifty grand, three hundred grand to race a Formula four or something mm. for national championship don't quote me on those figures but it's it's obvious there's, there's a lot of there's some really good talent in karting at the moment exactly the same as as it was in in you know back when i was doing it that don't get through to the next level and i put the responsibility on people like myself and 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 team owners we have to do something about getting all this talent out of karting into into the next level um and so, so yeah, so that's that's a that's a big one that I that I really want to. Hey, right now I'm flat out trying to do my thing, you know. Mm. And hey, I'm trying to get a little bit more, a little bit more time. I, I've got no social life, and my family are absolutely pissed off at me because I don't spend any time with them. But I'm trying to find a little bit more time to be able to um, fix this issue of getting kids from karting into 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 supercars at least. Uh, the other one is. You'll always you're always going to recruit people, whether it's be for a racing driver or a team or anything running your local cafe, by their values and morals. You know you've and that you come across so many people that are in two categories. They're either highly skilled and very good at what they do, or they've got really good values and morals but don't quite have the skill base. And if if I was to look for a driver, I'd be looking for someone that wants it the most. You know, someone that's that's got good values. They're pre- presented well. They they want to be a racing driver, and they're, and they're willing to do whatever it takes. And then, as a team, we build we build up that skill base. So, um, yeah, that's 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 a long answer. That's a long answer I, I to a short that, question. I, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of kids out there at the moment with you know that hey, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. But they can't, the pathway is not there. The pathway is there category wise, but not in the on the platform. The, the, pa- the pathway is not there yet. But there's, there's there's some cocky kids around at the moment that you know are, are almost entitled. You feel feel like they're entitled, um, uh, and unfortunately, they're never gonna they're never gonna get through. You know, unless they unless they get lucky. But there are some good kids with some really good good values with the skills. You know, to be able to do the job. That are that are there for a, for for all all the supercar teams to, to be able to to be able to grab. So when we see you at a kart track next, we know what you're doing with your team owner hat on for down the track somewhere. <laughs> hey, another thing that we do here, we'll wrap it up very shortly. Uh, we do the V8s with top ten shootout. We're basically it's a fancy form of word association. Yep. I'll drop okay. some names, some things. Yeah, you give me the first word that comes to mind. Uh, We'll let you have two or three words if you need to, okay. but let's try to aim so for first, one. So you just, first thing that comes into your head, okay. rapid fire. Yep. Roland Dane. Ooh, angry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good start. Uh, care to elaborate more? No, no. That's, just when he's angry. That's self-explanatory. He's, yeah, he's very angry. Uh, a guy we miss dearly, Jason Richards. Um, laughable. Always having a good time. Always having a laugh. Yeah, taught, taught me... Uh, Taught me to have a good time. True, true. Michael Ruder, the head of Sonic Motor <laughs> Racing, your, your old Formula Ford team. Uh, it's two words. I'm going to say Winnie Blue. 
Have you ever seen him without a Winnie Blue in his in his well, mouth? Well, if he hasn't got a Winnie Blue, he's got a bottle of Coke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, it's brought through a lot of great yeah. drivers over yeah. the years, Michael and you his wife Maria. Yeah. Uh, David Couchy, your engineer. Just solid, hard worker. Bathurst 2016. Uh, I can't remember. 16. <laughs> what happened 16? They're all, 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 this is the one where you crossed the line first. All, all rolled into one. Um, oh, one that got away. Uh, 2016. Um, yeah, I, that was that. That's brutal. That was brutal. brutal. We we got we got we got done heavily there. Brutal. Done done heavily. Done heavily. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so you didn't remember the race, but now you remember it. You think it's brutal. Oh yeah. Oh, the, the penalty was too much. Uh, Oh, it shouldn't definitely. have been a penalty. Shouldn't at have all. been a penalty. Yeah, that. And hey, if you go, if you go and talk to the people involved now, I, I wouldn't be surprised. They probably wouldn't say it um, on the record, but they would be. They, they know they made a mistake. That was, they made a mistake and cost me the, the biggest race of the year. Me, my team. Yeah, that and, one. That one that are we talking not, official to me? What officialdom? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. They, 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 they just made a bad call. They, just, they just didn't didn't see it correctly. Made a bad call, but yeah, unfortunately, that's one that's never gonna never Can't get back. Can't return. No. This one's unfortunate. Move on, move on. Uh, the, man who, the man who the gave man. you your greatest reference in history, Larry Perkins. Larry Perkins. I'll just say reference, <laughs> reference. <laughs> Uh, when, when, with this conversation, when this this is Larry. Larry's on the lathe. He was on the lathe at the workshop when I come up to him and said, uh, "Mate, we you know can we have a chat about my future?" And he go, he knocks the lathe out of gear and goes, "Yeah, let's have a chat." <laughs> so, which went for about thirty seconds. So that's uh, good chat. That's good chat. Larry. Yeah, and then he and then after that he got the lathe going again and kept milling uh, kept milling his wheel nut. Pressed on. Pressed on. Uh, Paul Dumbrell. Paul Dumbrell, um, good, good mate, really good mate. Yeah, we'll be. Uh, I'm very grateful that I've, I've been able to spend what was it six years mm. as as, a long te- as teammates. But we grew up together. We grew up together since we were 15 years old, and I can. We'll, we'll still be. Uh, I'm sure we'll still be mates when we're 85 years old if we make it that long. You're going to vie for complete control of Triple Eight, you two down the track. What happens there? We're going to work. We're going to work together. Yeah, we're going to work together. Good. Sure, he's he's got unbelievable skills. Um, since since moving on from um, car racing, he's uh, he's just taken the world 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 on fire. CEO of uh, Total Tools and doing unbelievably good things. So um, watch his space. He'll uh, he'll take over the world for sure. We should get them to sponsor this podcast. Thanks for the idea, <laughs> uh, Will Davison. Will Davo. Um, <laughs> you were about to give him a clip then by that cheeky oh, little a bit, laugh. A bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. Davo's biggest uh, Davo's what what we love about Davo is his inability to make decisions. Yeah. Indecisive is the word Indecisive. that you're thinking of. There you go. There you yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Absolute classic. Anyone that spent time with him will uh, will enjoy his indecisiveness. Whether it's ordering a, a you know a double shot latte or or buying a new car, yeah, he just he just can't make a call. And then he does make the call. Then he regrets it. But uh, but it was a good call. But. <laughs> Oh, I should have went the other way. No, no, it's good. Actually, I'm happy. He's happy. Yeah, he's happy. Uh, it sounds accurate to me. Uh, Ferrari 488. Bathurst 12 hour winning car. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, you say red, I'll be angry because that's not really a good answer. No. Um, 
Refined, refined, yeah, really nice, refined bit of kit. Really nice, enjoyed it. Nice. I uh, after that, after that twelve hour, the the local dealer gave me, gave, let me borrow a car for a couple of weeks, and yeah, it was fantastic. They um those race cars go good on the grass down Conrod as yeah, well. You might they remember do. too. That they was do. Wild. I've never been a huge fan of Ferrari. It was always a all those sports cars were they they looked to me to be quite impractical. Like they were well, they're not made to go to the supermarket. No, right? they're not. But if they've made for that 488, they've actually made a, a really impractical car quite practical. You know, you can you can raise a thing up and get over a speed hump. You know what I mean? There is a little bit of boot space. Um, you can actually turn the thing onto a mode where if you're coming home late at night, you don't, you know, you don't wake the whole neighborhood up. <laughs> so they've actually been able to really make it make a car, a ridiculous car, actually you could you could almost drive it day to day, you know, if you had enough money. I'm willing to find out and have You're a go. Find out, yeah. Have a go. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the last against the clock in the top ten shootout, our V8 Sleuth top ten shootout, to come up with one word to describe, is Jamie Winkup. <laughs> um, gee, I don't. I don't like talking about myself. No, no, you don't have to. You just have to say one word, oh. and that's it. Um, I'm. I'm myself. I'm myself. Yeah. Non-original. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to do things by the um, by the book. I like to do things uh, my own way. Thanks for having a chat to us today. We really appreciate it. Great to go down memory lane a little bit and have a talk about some of the, the stuff that's going on now, have a talk about Kate, have a look back at the career. There's lots of things that we weren't able to squeeze into this time, but I'm sure somewhere down the track when we've got more time and more podcasts to do, we can do all the other bits and pieces. But again, thanks for taking some time with us today. No, thanks, Nerds. We must have been having fun. That was the quickest hour ever. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Jamie Winkup for joining the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Doric. He was in pretty good form, I think you'll agree. And how good was that story too about the reference from Larry Perkins? Absolute gold. Keep an eye on our website, v8sleuth.com.au and our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages for our next episode and who our guest is. Don't forget to subscribe. That'll guarantee that you won't miss an episode when it comes out. And also, if you've just started listening to our podcast, go back through our previous episodes and hear some great chats with stars from Australian motorsport. Until then, though, we'll catch you next time on the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Dorrit. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.